the we're going family style deal. Because I want a bite of your Big Mac. And I need some of your quarter pound. I'll try your filet of fish. There's a deal for every friend group at McDonald's. Order any two classics for just six bucks. Price of participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer. Whether you're a skeptic or a believer, join me, Rob McConnell, as together we'll investigate the world of the paranormal and the science of parapsychology here on the Exxon Radio TV show on XZBN and the Exxon TV channel on Simul TV. Since 1990, the Exxon Radio TV show has been the place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard. Together, we'll investigate UFOs, aliens, ghosts, Bigfoot, psychic phenomenon, lake monsters, conspiracy theories, government cover-ups, the truth embargo, alien abductions, ESP, haunted locations from around the world, and so much more. With over 28 years of broadcasting and more than 4,500 individual guests, The X-Zone is truly a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality, as evidenced by the credibility, integrity, and professionalism of the guests that we bring to our international audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation, keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Welcome to Mission Evolution Radio Show with Gwilda Wiaka, bringing together today's leading experts to uncover ever-deepening spiritual truths and the latest scientific developments in support of the evolution of humankind. For more information on Mission Evolution Radio with Gwilda Wiaka, visit www.missionevolution.org. And now, here's the host of Mission Evolution, Miss Gwilda Wiaka. Hello, dear visionary friends. Thank you for joining me, Gwilda Wiecka, on another exciting adventure into future possibilities. This is Mission Evolution, where we share innovative thoughts and information with today's leading esoteric and scientific experts, supporting the co-creation of a better tomorrow. You, my treasured audience, are a very important part of this discussion. Email info at missionevolution.org with any comments or questions. We'll address them on the very next show. So grab your pen and pad. Take notes, sit back, and enjoy. This hour, we'll be exploring dying to live near-death experience. Increasingly, modern science is discovering how much our beliefs, perspectives, and even concepts of reality are stored in our physical bodies. There's evidence that much of our perception is passed on to us from ancestors locked in the DNA. Many indigenous cultures train their shaman and mystics by subjecting them to extremely harsh and often life-threatening initiations. This practice was designed to cause disassociation, leaving their physical bodies and all the programming held there in order to gain a more comprehensive perspective of life. Is there indeed life after death? What are we without our bodies? What can we learn by not being subject to the body's programming? Most importantly, can we gain this knowledge and expanded perspective without brutal initiations or a near-death experience? With us this hour to share new perspectives he's uncovered through near-death experience is a gentleman I've had the pleasure of interviewing before, Robert Kopecki. Robert is the author of How to Get to Heaven Without Really Dying and How to Survive Life and Death. His extensive global journeys were punctuated by three very different dramatic near-death experiences. 
These eventually led him to years of study, meditation, service, and a transpersonal realization of life that inspired him to write and teach about spiritual lessons he learned the hard way. His website, robertkopecky.com. Robert, on behalf of our audience and myself, welcome back to Mission Evolution. Thank you, Gwilda. It's great to be back. Thanks for having me. Would, would you please define near-death experience for us? Uh, define near-death experience. is It's this uh, phenomenon that occurs when people come very close to the physical reality of death in a car crash or a heart attack or uh, toxic reactions, all various kinds of forms of death as you can think of, but don't actually die. Uh, they're either the flatline or they're... Um, apparently dead to, uh, you know, to all observation. Um, but then in the interlapsing, uh, interlapsing time, they experience a trans-dimensional uh, a kind of realization of a different world or a different life, um, and then come back to report about it. So that's <laughs> a little definition of it. <laughs> I understand you've had three near-death experiences. Would you mind telling us about them? Not at all. I have, and like you mentioned earlier, kind of, I don't recommend this course of <laughs> practice for anybody. Um, uh, it's not something that uh, that I was really aware of so much at the time that it happened. In fact, the first one was uh, was in the mid '80s. And I was uh, driving my car in in uh, in Los Angeles, in the Los Angeles area, one evening as the sun was going down. I was on an unfamiliar street, and to tell you when it actually happened, it, uh, the cause of it was essentially a, a malfunctioning tape cassette player, which I popped the cassette out, and it was stuck in the mechanism like they used to do. And as I did that, I glanced off an oddly parked car and went into a light pole uh, going about 30 miles an hour or so in my car. Ouch. And I broke the, um, I broke the windshield uh, with my head, even though I was belted in and stuff. And the very next instant, I found myself up at the level of the light that was flickering on uh, in the dusk. And looking down at the scene of the car accident below me, the the car hood smashed in and, and uh, fluid running out onto the ground, steam roiling up. And I could look over uh, the hedges and, and bushes and stuff in this, in this suburban neighborhood and see into people's side yards and backyards. I could see people's lights going on on their side porches and people coming out to see what the sound was. And uh, then I just watched as they they said call an ambulance and i watched the ambulance arrive i i was kind of hovering as it were i did not have any sense of having a physical body at all anymore and i felt um these these sensations that near-death experiencers often report and that is a complete lack of boundaries of being completely enfolded in this kind of a warm loving atmosphere that i i was part of. Um, uh, and I also felt this the same way about my thinking. My thinking wasn't as serial and contained to myself as it had been, but instead was part of a kind of a matrix of a loving intelligence, uh, so to speak. I witnessed uh, my body being put into the back of a uh, an ambulance and tried to speak to people, uh, but they didn't know I was there. I uh, I did not feel alone. Uh, I felt as though there were somebody, in fact, there was somebody, some presence behind me that then essentially kind of shepherded me away from the scene. And uh, my recollection is of going into kind of a cloud bank. And then I don't really remember exactly uh, how I got to the next location, but the next location that I was in was a a beautiful sort of park-like or very natural green natural setting where I had a kind of conversation or a sort of an interview of a sort with a personage who I, whose details I don't really remember distinctly. I couldn't really describe them to you, nor could I describe to you exactly what we talked about, but it was a very momentous kind of conversation. There was a lot of things being hashed out, as I recall. And, uh, 
And then I, the next thing I knew, I woke up uh, in a hospital room about 20 hours after the accident. Oh, my goodness. And uh, so this was a classic out-of-body experience. Um, which, tell, uh, tell me, could you, could you see through the uh, walls of the buildings or just into the yards? Uh, no, just into the yards. So you kind of maintained uh, a perspective that you would have had in your body, but out of the body and raised up above it. Exactly, yes, just a, a top of the pole's eye view, so to speak. And the and the thing that was interesting about that was that about a week or so later, about a week and a half maybe uh, later, even though my head was still bandaged and stuff, I made my way back to this unfamiliar neighborhood and walked around the site of the accident and walked around these hedges and bushes and looked behind them, and things were exactly as I had seen them from that perspective on top of the telephone pole. So just for myself, I confirmed the fact that I had seen things uh, properly from that vantage point that I could only have had if I were, you know, 30 feet up. Literally there. It's it's fascinating how right. accurate, isn't it? Did, did, um, yes, yeah. Yeah. Did, did uh, confirming that help you uh, process the event? Uh, yes, it did, yeah. I didn't, uh, as much as I processed it, because at the time I had no awareness of this as a phenomenon. I may have seen In Search Of with Leonard Nimoy or something about the uh, the light at the end of the tunnel. I think that was the only thing that I had I'd ever known about near-death experience. And so it didn't really register on me as having been uh, the same thing. And when I spoke to people about it, I talked to my wife about it at the time and a couple other people, um, they did not really engage with me like I was making any sense to them. And I had no, uh, no understanding that there might be other people who'd had this experience that I could share it with, which I have since learned about in spades. But... Uh, I didn't really process it in a lot of ways. I just kind of suppressed it and went on with my life at that time. Well, it's, the, it's, it's interesting that the isolation came after you came back into the physical body, that, that you felt you know, like you were not alone when you were outside of your body. But then it's like this uh, information gap. People don't get it. And suddenly you're isolated with the experience. You just have to box it up. Do you think that's what happened? Well, yeah, and and this is this is why I say that this um, that this experience gave me the gift of perspective, because I, I not only uh, did I go back into kind of an isolation, but that's an isolation that we all experience as human beings. I had experienced complete boundarylessness. You know, I didn't I didn't have a body and hands and and all. Uh, but I still was myself. I was still seeing it from my point of view. But I felt as though I were energy that was joined with a greater energy field and that my mind also was the same way without these kinds of constraints. So uh, being in physical form uh, creates a misperception problem for us, right? I mean, we, we know that basically by what quantum physics or what animal consciousness uh, tells us is that uh, we're limited to what a human can experience. And I went back into that kind of separation uh, from that. Right, right. Well, it's, it's kind of a depressing place, you know. On the other side, we're just about to take a commercial break. But on the other side, I'd really like to get into the perspective that you have gained and how we can gain that without having to go through what you went through. Absolutely. <laughs> the trick. Perfect. But it is time for that commercial break. Robert and I will return shortly, so don't you go away. This is Mission Evolution, coming to you on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Patty Conklin grew up in Brooktondale, New York, with a unique ability. Unlike others, she could see how the vibration of words and emotions affected the physical body. She discovered how to release stored emotion and facilitate healing. This began today's Conklin method of cellular cleansing. The private practice grew with tremendous results, as did her reputation. 
more and more people sought her out, bringing her into the home for healing. She soon realized she could even teach this to others, and they could shift perception and thus prevent illness from occurring. Patty Conklin quickly became a frequent keynote speaker, and she developed a curriculum for teaching the Conklin method of cellular cleansing. For more information, visit pattyconklin.com. P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N, pattyconklin.com, or call 404-474-0086. That's 404-474-0086. Mission Evolution is dedicated to the well-being of the planet and animals, as well as the evolution of humankind. One major factor threatening all three is increasing toxicity. Heavy metals and other environmental toxins are poisoning our bodies, deteriorating our brains, blocking our spiritual connection, and shortening our lives. Yet these poisons are extremely difficult to remove. I'm Gwilda Wiecka, and I recently became aware of a product created from the marriage of nature and nanotechnology called Vitality. It's formulated from zoolite, whose crystalline structure binds toxins, gently carrying them out of the body. The light is only as clear as the window through which it shines. Clear your body, shine your light into the world. Visit VitalityHappens.com for a 20% discount. Enter code PATHHOME. I am Dr. Carl O'Helvey, founder, president of a new cancer foundation focusing on evidence-based physical, mental, and spiritual interventions, including natural cancer cures, prayer, meditation, affirmations, nutrition, and other related holistic cancer prevention and cure modalities. These are used in cancer education, research, and financing care. I ask for your help to continue this important work by donating at www.holisticcancerfoundation.com. Hello again, this is Mission Evolution, missionevolution.org. To our faithful and thoughtful audience, we really value your opinion and would love to hear from you. What do you think about the existence of life after death? Email me at info at missionevolution.org and give me your thoughts or questions so we can share them on the next show. Speaking of questions, this in from a member of our audience regarding the episode entitled Language of the Heart, True Communication. J.K. states, it would be great if it were that simple, but what if your spouse refuses to participate and continues to pick fights? J.K., thanks for your question. It was one I brought up on the show. The conclusion was we can only be responsible for our own actions. Often changing our approach will have a positive effect on our spouse. If not, we're confronted with some difficult choices only we can make. Curious, dear audience? Visit our archives at missionevolution.org and listen to the episode entitled Language of the Heart, True Communication, and give us your take. With us this hour discussing near-death experience is Robert Kopecky. His website, robertkopecky.com. Robert, we were just getting into um, fascinating um, experience you had, near-death experience, and how it changed your perspective being out of a body. Um, would you go into that a little bit more? What was that change of perspective? Um, yeah, actually, and actually it can help with that very question that you just asked a moment ago about our dealing with one another. What I call the gift of perspective, or that fact of, that I was knocked out of my body and had this view on humanity as as a disengaged spirit, so to speak, it's kind of hard to get the genie back into the bottle after that, as you might imagine. Um, subsequently, after the years of uh, meditation and study, I've kind of crystallized it into this ability to to witness our lives as human beings with a kind of compassionate neutrality or kind of a compassionate detachment 
so that uh, we can detach from the material demands and from the uh, material ramifications of our world. And when we're dealing with others, lots of times um, it's hard not to feel like they're doing something to us um, when in many ways they're actually doing something for us uh, because it's just our limited perception that, uh, that allows our egos to take over and to feel challenged if we are uh, exercising our gift of, of spiritual perspective, you can lovingly detach from those material circumstances of the relationship you're in to a degree and witness each person as a kind of package of karmic information that's based on their DNA and their life experiences and the things that they need to be expressing the way they need to be expressing what I call divine consciousness <clears throat> or this kind of do, field do of think, fundamental consciousness I experienced. Do you think that we come in with kind of a karmic, this is what we're going to do this time, and, and this is the package we have, and that's programmed in when we come in? Yes, yeah, I do. In fact, that's really sort of, uh, that's underlying, I call that spiritual technology. That's evidence of the underlying spiritual technology that's going on here. We are packages of karmic information who, who travel from life to life and form to form. That's what I've ended up believing. And even the report of the uh, near-death experience is, is always um, custom-made, you'll notice, when you talk to people about who've, who've had near-death experiences. And it can be culturally exclusive as well. So Hindus will have Hindu uh, NDEs, right, and Christians will have Christian ones. And everybody is expressing <clears throat> uh, with this kind of pattern recognition of their life uh, what happened to them in the afterlife in a way that it ties directly to their sort of karmic package of information and in a way that we can all understand them, too, as humans in this particular a place in this particular uh, plane. Well, let me let me ask you let me ask you this: How much of that comes in with the spirit, and how much of it is passed through the DNA in the physical body that we incarnate in? Um, you know, I think that a lot of this is much more seamless than we think about it. You know, if you if you consider what quantum physics teaches us, for example, uh, just the very nature of what we consider solid reality including our bodies, is, is a much more fluid and changeable thing uh, than we normally think of it as being. Um, hence, you'll have people that will have uh, miraculous recoveries from terrible illnesses, uh, you know, like overnight, they'll can't, their cancer will go away, uh, that kind of thing, because this is really on a, um, on a level of, uh, of a kind of, field of divine consciousness where everything material is coming into being and going out of being all the time. I hope that's not too esoteric for your listeners, but I don't think that there's much difference between the physical body and the sort of concepts of our being. Well, then the pers we go back to perspective, don't we? If our perspective is that yeah. everything's already fired, set in stone, rather than malleable like clay, isn't that going to be our experience? Um, yes, that will definitely define our experience. The way you the way you see the world is the way the world sees you, so to speak. And when you're open uh, with this kind of gift of, of spiritual perspective, and uh, you can feel a bit more like you're orchestrating from above. Uh, you know, you can you can see the impediments and the obstacles in your life quite clearly. They're real obvious to you and know more intuitively, be more in touch with this intuitive divine matrix of intelligence that I was speaking about, uh, ways to go about living your life uh, so that you can redefine success in non-material terms and more in spiritual and uh, more holistic terms. Well, when you're in touch with this uh, larger field, if you will, does that um, increase your intuition, your ability to be precognitive about what's coming at you and how to interact with it? Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. And meditation is a great way of doing that in this form, right? That's, that was what happened to me. Was that it, <clears throat> And I'll tell you about the other two near-death experiences, too, in a minute. But ultimately, years afterwards, 
I, I really had never experienced again the sensations that I had in these near-death experiences until I meditated for quite a long time, for a number of years. And then it started to spontaneously reoccur for me. So I know that this is a, we open up a channel to the field of divine consciousness uh, in meditation. And that, that's how uh, we come to discovering that heaven is not a specific place, but a state of being that's available uh, to us all the time. It's, it's I, I how love that to st- get to heaven without really dying. I love that statement because we always think we have to go somewhere, but really it's a shift of perspective away, isn't it? Yes, yeah. We're talking about a trans-dimensional shift that's available right in this moment. You can live in what they call the spirit of the, the light of the spirit in any instant, uh, really. So heaven is always available to us. And everybody's had, you know, a, a little piece of heaven in their life. My goal is to help you expand on that. Well, it's, it seems like a lot of this information is kind of locked in code in all the different religions of the, of the different cultures. Yes, and it all describes what, what I refer to as the, this um, uh, spiritual technology that is vast and manifold and just can't be understood by us in this form, but you see, we see the evidence of it every place, all the time, in synchronicities and life relationships and the way that, uh, that uh, we can make things happen for ourselves. And, the, you know, the way that everything, you look back at your life and it seems like it's been scripted. You look forward and you have no idea what's coming, but you do know that what you carry forward will uh, transform what's ahead of you. And how much is that based on our intent and our willingness to become witnesses of our life rather than a subject to them? Yeah, uh, a lot. Yeah, a lot. The death that I say is necessary to to get to heaven is the death of the ego, or the death of this sort of automatic interface that we have with life that that becomes so defensive or comparative or judgmental, uh, where it's only taking the temperature of the material uh, circumstances around us and pretty blind to uh, the spiritual underpinning of things. I'm talking about tapping into this vastness of spiritual technology and uh, allowing the death of the ego as being the most important death that a person uh, can experience in this life. Would you mind going a little further into what you're referring to as ego? Because it's a word that's been hashed around, and I think there's a lot of misconceptions. So how, how are we speaking about it here? Right. I'm speaking about the ego as being that interface, the the voice in your mind that is describing the world to you. Uh, Lots of people that are uh, healthy and whole have very positive egos and uh, see the world in a beautiful way and lots of potential and options all the time and the miraculous nature. They kind of live in a kind of heaven all the time. Many of us, and I identify a bit more with this club probably, uh, have kind of a self-defensive ego going on that tends to want to label things a certain way and compare things and judge things. And that is a negative ego that can define your life and often defines people's lives in such a limited way that uh, you end up kind of painting yourself into a corner in terms of, of what you're capable of and what you can perceive in life. And so, so it's breaking like, down those obstacles is a big part of, of uh, getting to heaven without dying. Well, I, I, it's that magic moment again. It's time for another quick pause. On the other side, I would like to go further into ego and how we kill that beastie. <laughs> uh, Robert and I will return to our discussion shortly. So you stay right there. This is Mission Evolution. We're coming to you through the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. audience. If you have seen a UFO, had a close encounter, seen a ghost, Bigfoot, lake monster, or a story that you would like to share or have investigated, contact me, Rob McConnell, 
by sending me your email to xzone at xzoneradiotv.com or you can call toll-free 1-800-610-7035, extension 143, and on Skype, Exxon Radio TV. For more information on the Exxon Radio TV show with yours truly, Rob McConnell, visit www.exxoneradiotv.com or www.exxonetvchannel.com or simultv.com and xzbn.net. Until next we meet here in the X-Zone from our broadcast center and studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Always remember X-Zone Nation. Keep your eyes to the sky and your heart in the light. Join Patty Conklin and Healing Within Radio each week. More than entertainment, Healing Within offers educational, useful tools for everyday life. Listen for help overcoming fear, anxiety, and depression. Patty knows about eliminating cancer, MS, dementia, Parkinson's, and a host of illnesses that we face every day. Life can be good. Life is good. All you need are simple tools to start changing your life. Start right now by visiting pattyconklin.com, P-A-T-T-I-C-O-N-K-L-I-N. No matter where you are in the world, you can work with Patty through Skype, phone, or in person, visiting one of her retreats in Georgia. Visit pattyconklin.com today or call our offices at 404 474 0086. That's pattyconklin.com or call 404-474-0086. Are you looking for psychic services that empower as well as provide accurate information? Jenny is a third generation psychic with extensive esoteric training. A practicing professional intuitive for over 30 years, her accuracy is astounding. While most psychics can read what will happen to you if you don't change directions, Jenny understands the future is subjective. While there is a river of time we all traverse, that river has many waves, eddies, currents, and tributaries from which to choose. With Jenny as your guide, you can explore the many possible outcomes in the river of time and navigate your course to the one of your liking. Take control of your future. Book your life-changing session with Jenny today at www.gen-e.net. That's www.gen-e.net. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution. Did you know our entire Leading Edge information-packed episode collection is available to listen or download with our compliments? Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. Our special guest this hour is Robert Kopecky, and we're speaking about the new perspectives he gained through multiple near-death experiences. You can find out about more, more about Robert and his, on his website, robertkopecky.com. Robert, we were dancing with ego, and um, <laughs> so it, from what you were saying, it seems like it's not always a negative thing. I mean, I mean, so so often people really view ego as a negative thing. Don't we kind of need some concept of ego to communicate in the human world, and how can we control it versus the other way around? Yeah, absolutely, and this, this relates very powerfully to my second near-death experience, so I'll just sketch that for you real quickly and tie the whole thing together. Perfect. I had been living a, a very self-destructive lifestyle, a nocturnal lifestyle in New York City as an artist and raconteur, and I, I, had a, uh, I had a toxic experience that I had brought upon myself and collapsed in my apartment. <clears throat> One night, I had this sensation of of uh, being struck uh, with paralysis from the neck down, and as I laid on the floor, uh, just kind of staring into the room, the room itself filled in with a brilliant white cloud, and in the midst of this uh, cloud appeared a kind of a, a screen, uh, sort of. I had, again, I had this sense of being enfolded in love, of having sort of no boundaries, 
um, uh, these kinds of experiences of, of uh, illumination and transcendent unity that near-death experiencers uh, report. I had that again and did not feel alone. Again, I felt as though uh, there was a guide or a shepherd behind me, so to speak, who directed me to look into this kind of screen where I witnessed scenes from my life in a kind of a three-dimensional way, not like a regular movie screen. This is very high spiritual technology. Uh, but in this uh, way that I, I witnessed these moments in like time, time boxes, boxes of time that I could almost participate in. And these were not the golden moments. These were not the greatest hits. Uh, these were these sort of pivotal, seminal moments when I should have been present for something that I wasn't present for in an appropriate way. So My is it kind of like... Is it kind of like where you leave part of yourself behind because you don't take the appropriate action? Um, yes, or I'm not engaged in a part of myself that I could be engaged in. Because when I uh, witnessed these serial scenes, kind of, and I was not getting it in each one after the other after the other, these were scenes that I had missed an opportunity or injured somebody unconsciously. Um, it was because... I had this negative ego that was forcing me to try to be who I thought I was supposed to be or get what I thought that I was supposed to get. And so I was not present. I was not engaged in the moment with that karmic quality. Every, this eternal moment is where we always live in every life. That's something the three NDEs taught me, is that this moment is never that much different in any life that we live. This is the moment where we can create our karma, where we can engage in the opportunities that are shown to us by divine consciousness and respond the appropriate way. I call this the gift of presence. And this is the only way that we can learn to escape the ego is by detaching from the material stuff with that perspective and then entering into this eternal moment and really being present in it without those material concepts of what you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to get. Well, so it sounds to me like what you're talking about is we tend to live most of our time out of the moment. In other words, we're worried about the future or thinking about things in the past and trying to exactly. figure out how to make it work for us, but we're not here and isn't here the only place we can actually make it work for us. Right, and it's really working for us at this deeper level. It's all working for us all the time, even the bad stuff that we do because we're being selfish. <laughs> you might think it's working against you when things don't work out the way that you want them to. But in retrospect, you look back and it's like, you know, I, sh I should have done that other thing. I knew all along that was the right thing to do. And instead, I just went headstrong into it and screwed things up again. And so the trick is to be present for that moment when those opportunities arise and engage in them appropriately. Let's talk a little bit, and this does relate, believe it or not. Let's go back to talking about that, the energy field, how, how we have a personal energy field that seems the body kind of isolates us into. But then when you leave the body, you are entering into a unified field of sorts. How do those interface, and how can we start um, consciously working with that interface without having to leave our physical bodies? Yeah, that's a, that is a funny thing because my – with. My experiences, and with all near-death experiencers, they'll often say the same thing that I'm saying, that they did not have an experience of being in a body. I did not experience myself as I am today with hands and legs and stuff like that, yet I was myself. I was seeing through some eyes, right, that I can report back to you about it. And so after years of meditation and, and kind of re-experiencing some of these sensations of of pure love and radiant illumination and transcendent unity and the kind of karmic instruction that I got, like in the second near-death experience, for example, I came to realize myself uh, more like, and this might sound kind of funny, but like an envelope of light energy that has reaches out and has feathered edges and overlaps with other envelopes of karmic information, energy, and so we're kind of like uh, overlapping blobs of energy. 
<laughs> you know this. That we reach out beyond our bodies and back into the, into the past and forward into the future, and you know we're much more fluid and energetic in that sense. This this brings up an interesting point. Um, NASA is studying what they call X points, and it's every place where the Earth's magnetic field crosses that of the Sun. And um, they've actually discovered that these things are like wormholes, um, you know, a shortcut between time and space. Well, we have electromagnetic fields that emanate from our body, as does everything else on the planet, as well as the sun and the earth. Do you think that's the vehicle that we're using to uh, join the unified field? Oh, that's certainly one of them, yeah. And you can uh, you can look up Rupert Sheldrake, and he'll talk about magnetic uh, resonant fields and magnetic resonance we witness it with uh, flocks of birds turning simultaneously or schools of fish and uh, human beings essentially do that sort of thing too and and we use magnetic resonance to image the actual uh, forms of our body you know so there there's a lot of um, everything is part and parcel of this remarkable uh, spiritual technology that I can't really describe to you, but all of these different discoveries that we make scientifically and spiritually and otherwise describe it, I think, constantly. It's really fun to watch it come together in this particular time in history, too, isn't it? It is. It's really remarkable. There's a, there's a, um, a study going on in Switzerland called the Blue Brain uh, Project, where there, uh, there's an effort to recreate the human brain with computer power because our you know, computers are becoming so intelligent and so have such vast storage that they're getting to the place where they can kind of start to reproduce uh, the com- incredible complexity of the human brain. And uh, somebody recently in that study realized that if they applied uh, what's called algebraic topology uh, to their, their uh, equations, Suddenly, uh, the tra- the interactions between parts of the brain uh, branched out or exponentially kind of exploded out into eleven different dimensions. <laughs> right. Oh my so, goodness! And so all of these things can be happening at uh, in different universes, practically. You know what our brain is actually doing here. We only have a the perception of a very small fraction of it. But our brains are, are really like receivers, transmitters, projectors. That's what I believe, that are always interacting with this field of, of, of divine consciousness, this fundamental field of, of loving intelligence. Um, we're about out of time in this segment, but my question for you is, okay, but when you're out of your body, you don't have a brain or access to it, I would expect. How does that factor in? Well, you're part of a greater brain, essentially. You're part of this of this expansive uh, matrix of, of loving intelligence that I've mentioned. And that was my sense. That was the feeling that I had. <clears throat> and <clears throat> I don't really believe that all consciousness is just what my brain is producing right in this spot, right? All consciousness is being expressed through every form you see constantly. Fascinating. So the wisdom and the knowledge that we could access if we find our way to leave our brain and connect with the universal is just kind of mind-boggling, isn't it? Um, literally. You need to boggle your mind to, <laughs> to actually get there. Uh, and stop thinking about, uh, about what you have always thought your thinking was. <laughs> you know, that's... What well, to think about when you're not supposed to be thinking is, yeah. is the, the place to start. Absolutely. Okay, well, we're going to have to take another break. This is so fascinating. I hate to, but here we go. Um, Robert and I will be back shortly to continue our discussion, so don't you go away. This is Mission Evolution on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net.
If you are looking for a safe, zero-calorie, natural option to the harmful artificial sweeteners on the market today, Just Like Sugar is what you're looking for. Just Like Sugar is a wonderful natural alternative for those health-conscious people who choose a calorie-restricted diet with a great, pure, sweet flavor that tastes just like sugar. Just Like Sugar is a great natural option for people suffering from diabetes and may be useful in restricted diet programs where standard sugars are not allowed and does not cause a laxative effect of some other sweeteners. Just Like Sugar comprises a perfect blend of chicory root fiber, natural calcium, natural vitamin C, and Just Like Sugar sweetness comes from the natural flavors from the peel of the orange. Just Like Sugar is a natural alternative to harmful artificial sweeteners and will change the way that you believe all natural sweetener products taste. Just Like Sugar is available at your local Whole Foods markets, Wild Oats markets, Henry's, Sun Harvest, and many other fine natural food stores in the U.S., Canada, and worldwide. They are here, and they've been here for thousands of years, making their presence known in the shadows. They might be seen by a lonely motorist on a deserted road late at night, or by a frightened and confused husband in the bedroom he is sharing with his wife. But who are they? What do they want? Why are they here? Perhaps most concerning, has the government been aware of their presence all along? The new book by Ellie Marzulli, UFO Disclosure, The 70-Year Cover-Up Exposed, delves into the world of UFOs. Can full disclosure be soon? Order now and receive a free hour and 37-minute DVD on the UFO phenomenon, UFOs Are Real. Get both the book and the DVD, a $40 value, for only $19.99. To order your book and DVD today, go to lamarzuli.net. That's L-A-M-A-R-Z-U-L-L-I.net. You have heard of the X-Zone? Now watch it on Simul TV, plus 500 video games, live TV channels, free video on demand, worldwide, and more. Does this sound like tomorrow's television? Well, it is, but you can have it today, right now. It is Simul TV. Simul TV offers what the others only wish they could provide. 15 exclusive channels like X-Zone, Sci-Fi, and Horror. We are worldwide. No other provider offers that. 500 built-in video games. No need to have an extra expensive system. We have them included. Free video on demand. Live streaming events from around the world. Interactive online network and much more. Tomorrow's TV today. Simul TV. Sound too good to be true? Well, it's not. You can have Simul TV today. Sign up at simultv.com. Do it today. Memorable dynamic presentations are a not-so-secret weapon in the business world. Do you have a powerful message that must be shared, but you haven't found a way to deliver that message? Do you want to be known as a top public speaker who gets amazing results? Are you ready to create and deliver your powerful message? Thomas Hides can help you create and deliver your speech to get the results you desire. Visit IconQuality.com. Did you expect your business to flourish, but instead it plateaued or didn't get off the ground yet? Would you like to achieve massive goals and discover new sources of income within your business? When you're ready to experience that type of success with fast results, Cindy Hendricks is the business coach for you. Her work with entrepreneurs and business owners has been life-changing. To get you and your business where you want to be, go to imaginemoresuccess.com. Has the fear of public speaking stalled your business or personal life? What would you give to develop and maintain supreme confidence? Have an invaluable private program to always perform at your best. Imagine how you would feel. You can have all that and so much more today with Thomas Hyde's life-changing course called Number One Fear Unleashed. Visit NumberOneFear.com and be liberated from your fear of public speaking. Welcome back. This is Mission Evolution, bringing together gifted people of service to the world. I love to hear from our audience. Your thoughts are very important to me. To suggest a topic or a guest that you think would be of interest, email us, info at missionevolution.org. And speaking of gifted people of service to the world, this hour we're sharing thoughts with Robert Kopecky. His website, robertkopecky.com. 
Robert, one one question I have here, and, and I, we see this so much, I think, uh, clear back being a, a, a casualty of the 60s, people that were on LSD, they feel like they've really transcended the, the, the physical form and accessed all this information. But then bringing it back, it's like you have amnesia. Were you able to maintain the new perspectives that you gained through your near-death experience and uh, when you came back into your physical body? No, not at first. With my second near-death experience, as with my <clears throat> my first one, I, I basically didn't find any help to kind of express what I had gone through <clears throat> and tended to essentially to suppress it for uh, the for years. Um, then after the third near-death experience, you know, some people have particularly hard heads, Gwilda, and it takes an extra kicking to get them on, on the right page, and that was my case. But it was just a couple of years after uh, my third one that um, my life really shifted around, and it really required this, this kind of death of the ego, where um, I hadn't really put all these lessons together uh, yet, but things were not working in my life, and I kind of hit a bottom where everything fell apart, and that was the moment of sort of absolute humility where I became teachable, and everything changed in my life, and I started to study ancient texts and religions and, and uh, quantum physics and all of that kind of stuff and started meditating. And some years after that, um, I had these spontaneous experiences in meditation that were very similar to what I'd had in the near-death experiences. Mm. So what did having your NEDs teach you about life, death, and the afterlife? Um, well, uh, the uh, gift of perspective is that we're basically passengers in this physical form, in this physical realm, and we can detach with uh, compassionate neutrality uh, from that and just channel divine consciousness through this sort of material filter that I am and witness it, that same thing happening in other people. The gift of, uh, the gift of presence is that ability to, uh, to engage in the eternal moment where I can actually make a difference in my life and in the lives of others and recognize that, that this is an ongoing thing. This opportunity will exist for as long as I do. And I don't know how long that is, but I know it's before this life and after this life that we continue living. Now, uh, my third near-death experience, I was, uh, I was very badly beaten by a group of, uh, of punks or kind of skinheads who uh, I'd had an altercation with mm -hmm. one of them and was, uh, was on my way home and didn't realize that a whole bunch of them were in a vehicle that drove up beside me and they hit me in the head with a crowbar or with a tire iron or something. And in that one, I was um, sent into not as illuminative a place as in the other two, that place that was a little bit more kind of terrestrial or even womb-like, maybe appropriately, where I was uh, surrounded by uh, pers personages. And again, I had this sense of pure love and of transcendent unity and this kind of a little bit less of this uh, sense of no boundaries. I maybe felt a little more body-like uh, because they started telling me that I had not gone about things right and that I had to go back and I had things that I needed to do. And they basically picked me up against all my protestations. I struggled to stay there. I didn't want to come back. And I had this uh, forced back into this life experience that uh, is also typical of many near-death experiencers, where they sort of, as I remember, picked me up and pushed me through a membrane, and I popped out onto the street laying on my back with an emergency medical worker over me who said, he's back. Whoa. And this gave me what I call the gift of purpose, which is this reality in this life that uh, we are all unique and have this unique set of patterns to fulfill, to perform within. We have people to show up for. We have things to express. The evidence of what your purpose is is all around you all the time. From the scale of the earth, of taking care of the earth and, and maintaining it as a potential garden of Eden, so to speak, to the responsibilities of your own little life. It doesn't have to be big and fantastic. It can just be showing up for one another 
and removing the obstacles to love. So it sounds like we're each a cell in, a, in the larger body and each have a function if we just you know, let go of our ego and stand in our true nature. Is this what you're getting at? Yes, yeah, and I do believe that uh, you know we each expand into this vast realm of potential uh, too. So it's 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 not so much as feeling like you're one tiny little bit of something huge, even though functionally that is it, because each of us is capable of infinite expansion. I think, and and that's what it means to uh, to uh, transcend the delusion of separateness. Uh, that's really one of my main goals is to help people in the terms of realizing heaven in their own life is the real interconnectedness of, of everything, of all of our lives and of the life of the planet, all the life in this realm of being. So evolving into that state, it seems like it's being more supported now than it has in times past. Um, do you think that's the case? Absolutely. Uh, I mean, when I was a kid, uh, if you uh, were recycling glass or something, you were considered uh, a cuckoo, a tree hugger, a navel gazer. You know, <laughs> now you've got bins out on the curb every Thursday, and a truck comes by and recycles things, right? And so consciousness is expanding into this world, and through the internet too. By the way, is the best example of it at this incredibly exponential kind of rate of realization of our interconnectedness to everything and everyone. Once we start to recognize and really dwell on that interconnectedness, we can't hurt something outside of ourselves without damaging ourselves. This should make a exactly. difference, don't you think? It made a difference with me because I had to become a vegetarian, right? You know, and I had to become an environmentalist. And I think that, uh, this gift of purpose that I got from the third near-death experience wasn't just that I needed to show up for my sick father or be here for people in my life, so to speak, but also that I needed to be here as a contributing part of everything. I needed to be a steward of life on the planet as much as I could be, even if it's just in the small ways that I can exercise in my own personal life. Mm. Well, we are coming close to the end of our time. You speak of heaven on earth. How do we need to live in order to make this a reality? Well, what would heaven be to you? What do you think of it as being? I think of it as being a place where everybody is kind, everyone is honest, everyone is humble, everyone is forgiving, everyone is compassionate, and everyone is of service uh, to one another unconditionally. Any angel would drop their harp in a minute to help you out if need be. And if you can bring those things into your life and try to live by those principles, you will be projecting heaven into a field around you yourself that then will influence other people, and that will inspire them to interact the same way, and you'll create heaven in this spot where you are, which is always where heaven can be. So interacting through that unified field to bring the frequency for others. Right, through these principles, you know, these clear principles that are given to us through religions and, and uh, through different kinds of uh, ways, ways to live that many of your listeners, no doubt, are a part of already. Well, we have a little over a minute left, Robert. What is your vision for the future? Hmm. You know, my vision for the future materially is always difficult. This is a difficult realm. And so we are asked to participate joyfully in the sorrows of this life and to, to uh, try to live in a way, like I just described, where we are basically projecting the potential of heaven into each moment and into each place we go. So that if we can we can transform uh, at least the space around us into a little piece of heaven on earth. That's a, that's a beautiful vision, beautiful vision. And thank you so much for being out there and bringing it to the fore. Would you mind telling us where people can find your books? Um, yes, online and in some bookstores, you can always request at your local neighborhood bookstore uh, for either uh, How to Survive Life and Death, which is more about ameliorating death fears and how to get to heaven without really dying, which is what we've been talking about. 
Um, or you can go to my website, which is uh, www.robertkopecky.com, and uh, they're available through Llewellyn and Red Wheel Wiser books. Fantastic. Well, unfortunately, we are out of time now, Robert, but thank you so much for coming on the show again. It's always such a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Gwilda. It was great fun. Our guest this hour has been the author of How to Get to Heaven Without Really Dying and How to Survive Life and Death, Robert Kopecky. Find out more about Robert and the books he's written on his website, robertkopecky.com. Remember, our entire information-packed episode collection is available for listener download free of charge. Visit our archives at www.missionevolution.org for our ever-growing selection of guests and topics. This has been Mission Evolution with Gwilda Wiecka on the Exxon Broadcast Network, www.xzbn.net. Be sure to join us next time as this mission continues, bringing information, resources, and support to our evolving world.